You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, thanks for listening to the, uh, the Matt Walsh podcast. Thanks for being here. It's been a little... It's been a little while, I suppose. It's been a few weeks. So people have been asking me, you know, where are all the podcasts? Millions of people have been asking me, where are all the podcasts? Maybe not millions of people, more like uh, five people, but give or take, you know, between five and, and, uh, and millions. In any case, um, what I want to talk about today is uh, a subject that, in fact, I, I went to Catholic University on Wednesday. And the idea was I was supposed to talk about this topic, which is religious liberty. And as I've as I've now written about the, um, I thought the talk went pretty well. You know, my part of it, if I do say so myself. But it wasn't necessarily received well by everyone in the audience, despite the fact that this was a Catholic university. Um, many people were offended that um, I would advocate for religious liberty, uh, and that I would be. Uh, anti-gay marriage and all of these things in other words offended that at a catholic university i would affirm um, catholic teaching on a number of different issues but so i want to do is is having a uh, much abridged version of that conversation the conversation about religious liberty um we know that and and what i really want to concentrate on is and i think anyone who's a who's a devout christian conservative America understands that religious liberty is under attack in this country. We know that the attack on religious liberty started with small private companies um, that were in or connected to in some way, the wedding industry. And, um, and you know, we had bakers and photographers and, and other merchants who might sometimes provide goods and services for wedding ceremonies, finding themselves forced by law to bake or take pictures or perform whatever other services for homosexuals. Um, And in all of these cases, not a single gay person was singled out, victimized, persecuted, otherwise preyed upon for being gay. That never happened. Bakers and bridal shop owners and florists and t-shirt companies and photographers never once refused to serve gay people they refused to participate in activities involving gay people but they never said you're gay so you can't purchase a cupcake in my establishment that never happened we're only talking about people who opted not to play an active role in a gay wedding ceremony or gay pride festival or whatever else and on the other side of that coin we're talking about gays who wish to force private individuals to play that role whether they like it or not uh so we know it started that way And then a few weeks ago, finally, the move to impose tolerance of gay marriage on the churches and religious community began um, a a religious liberty bill, um, a bill which simply protected the religious liberty of religious groups and which passed through the state house and Senate in Georgia uh, 
arouse the ire of the entire country, um, prompting Nathan Deal, the governor, to veto the legislation, caving to uh, intense pressure from many, many billion-dollar corporations like Disney, Time Warner, uh, CBS, NBC, ABC, the NFL, Coca-Cola, Apple, and so on. And um, the interesting thing about that is that it was only a few months prior to the Georgia controversy that leftists were still insisting that only religious organizations should have religious rights. When the country debated similar laws in Indiana or any of the various cases involving bakers and photographers, um, we were told over and over again that if the companies in question were conspicuously and officially religious, then they would be allowed to, quote-unquote, discriminate. But how quickly was that compromise tossed aside? And now we have bills in other states that have uh, made it into the books, been codified into law, religious liberty bills, which is good, you know, that have actually been uh, been turned into law. Just, just, just uh, well, I guess it was a couple days ago, Governor Bryant of Mississippi signed a religious liberty, ball, religious liberty bill protecting businesses and individuals from being forced to participate in gay marriages. Um, the legislation also uh, fortified the rights of business owners to keep their bathrooms segre- segregated by sex, which all business owners have done up until about four and a half seconds ago. <clears throat> and that bill, of course, mirrors an now, now infamous bill in North Carolina, which requires men to pee in rooms with other men, women in rooms with other women. What a horrible injustice that is. So we know that's that's happened. But again, um, very powerful forces, including forces in the federal government, have moved against these states to punish them for this. So it's clear that religious liberty is under attack. Um, I think the interesting question is, how did we get here? And it's important to know how we got here. Because once we've established how we got here, then we can figure out, you know, what's the way forward, if there is one. And so here's my thought, and I, maybe in some ways I differ from a lot what a lot of people say on this topic. But to me, uh, it's very obvious that we lost the argument for our right to oppose things like gay marriage because we lost the argument that we are right in opposing them. More to the point, we stopped making the argument. We stopped believing it. But we hoped that we'd maintain at least the right to believe it. But it didn't work. Because once our culture accepted the idea that gay marriage is right, it wasn't long until it accepted the idea that it is a right, a human right. So what we should have done is try a lot harder um, to prevent our culture from accepting it as right. Because once something is accepted as right in our culture, it very quickly becomes a right, a human right. And once that happens, the game is over. Because guess what? If gay marriage were, in fact, a human right, which it isn't, but if it were, then you know what? 
Nobody should have the right to deny it. Nobody should have the right to encourage others to deny it. This is why when we lost the argument against gay marriage, we lost the argument for our own religious liberty. The two happened at once. And we're seeing that now. If something is a human right, then even churches should not be allowed to uh, infringe upon it. As, as liberals themselves argued, you know, a church should not be allowed to keep slaves chained to the radiators in the basement just because some bizarre sect believes slavery is divinely prescribed. And a pastor in this fictional denomination should not be allowed to rile his congregants into a a frenzy and command them to go out and take slaves of their own. You can't commit human rights violations no matter your religion. It doesn't matter. You, You cannot do that. You can't intentionally provoke others to do the same. I agree with that sentiment. I agree with it. You can't commit human rights violations in the name of religion. Of course I agree with that. Religion cannot be used for, as a cover for atrocities. So the only real question is whether gay marriage is actually a human right. The answer to that question is no. But anyone who answers yes must logically believe that any attempts by anyone to infringe on this human right should be prevented and punished. So what we needed to do was argue against the idea that it's a human right. And arguing against the idea that it's a human right requires arguing against the idea that it is right. Now look, philosophically, it isn't true that something is a right just because it's right. Um, so theoretically, you, you, you could agree that something is right but that doesn't mean that it's a right. It doesn't mean that someone's entitled to it. Um, for instance, I don't know, eating your vegetables, eating, eating your a healthy portion of vegetables. That's right. You know, that's the right thing to do. It's a good, healthy thing to do. I don't think it's a right. Okay, I don't think that, that uh, eating vegetables is an entitlement, that we should all be provided vegetables that, because it's a right. Now, but again, we see how our culture confuses what's right with what's a right. And when our culture comes to a consensus that something is right, it almost always becomes an a-, a right right after that. If if we cannot, if if we allow our culture to become deluded about what is right, how can we expect it to understand what is a right? It can't tell its head from its ass. How's it, how's it supposed to figure out what a human right is? You know, we all like to uh, repeat that popular quote from Voltaire. Um, I think it was from Voltaire. I hate what you say, but I'll defend to the the death your right to say it. But the fact is, almost none of us actually believe that. Almost none of us would follow through on that. I wouldn't follow through on that. Do you understand? I, I would not follow through. I would not defend to the death you're right to say something I hate. And I'll tell you why. Because I hate when someone speaks blasphemy against the Lord. When they commit heresies. 
when they advocate for the murder of the unborn. When they attack my faith, disparage my Lord, uh, my family. Would I defend to the death a person's right to insult Jesus, speak untruths that could jeopardize and damn souls, you know, insult my wife and my children? Would I defend to the death someone's right to do that? No, I actually would not. It doesn't mean that I, I, I don't think you should have the right to do it, but, I, but I, spe- I would not specifically defend to the death your right to do that. You're right to spit in the face of Jesus. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You're right to scandalize and deceive. You're right to advocate for child murder. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would rather die to defend the truth than to, than, than to die to defend your right to say untruths. And that doesn't mean that I think that you shouldn't, that you shouldn't have the right to say untruths. So here's my, so this is my, my point in saying this. That if you make the argument, as many Christians have, and you say about um, you know, our opposition to gay marriage, you say, well, look, even if you find what we're saying here despicable and awful, we should still have the right to say it. That's not a strong argument. It's not a strong argument. Because if people really find something despicable and terrible and dangerous, they are not going to defend your right to continue to say it. No matter what they say, no matter what we all say, very, very few people would say, I find that despicable, but I would defend your right to continue to say it. Very few people would actually follow through on that. So it's a weak argument. It's an argument that doesn't work. But it's the argument Christians have been making for their own religious liberty. Rather than defending the rightness of their beliefs, they just rather meekly defended their rights to their beliefs. And that is pathetic. Because it forfeits the strongest argument, which is we are right. We don't just have rights. We are also right as Christians. We are the right ones. What we're saying is true. We are right. We are right. They are wrong. That's our strongest argument. Not just, but I have the right to say it. No, I am right in saying it. What I am saying is right. That is our argument. But because many Christians stop defending the truth of their beliefs, they now lose their right to them. And that was unavoidable. And though I'd like to pass the, pass the blame to someone else, we have to accept our own guilt. America is supposedly 70%, 80% Christian nation. And if 70%, 80% of America believed and professed the truth of their beliefs, we wouldn't be in this situation. But we are, because they didn't. And what we have to understand is that because our culture has bought so totally into the satanic ideology of self, the worship of the self, it must, by definition, be a culture that has an adversarial relationship with Christianity. 
uh, which is a religion that believes in denying yourself and giving glory to God. So it believes the opposite of what our culture professes. Um, and we cannot live in this satanic culture, this culture of death, and then be surprised when it takes active steps to destroy the only thing that poses a threat to it, which is Christianity. And we can't sit here and insist or hope that we'll win our religious liberty even if the culture remains possessed by the devil. It's not going to happen. It cannot happen. Okay? They can try to conjure up whatever principles they want to justify you know, their attacks on the faith, you know, don't discriminate and all this stuff. But the real motivation for the attacks is that they hate Christianity. And when people hate things, they try to destroy them. You and I are the same way, as a matter of fact. Arguably, that's how you should be. I go back again. I hate abortion. I hate it. I hate abortion, and I want to destroy it. I want to destroy it. Uh, whatever it takes, I want to destroy it. I am not going to defend your right to have abortions. It's not going to happen because I hate it. And this is what people do when they hate things. Our culture hates Christianity. It will never allow it to just continue along unmolested. So we win our culture by winning. We, we win our liberty by winning the culture. That's the answer. I didn't say it's an easy answer, but it's the answer. We win our freedom by winning the culture. We win our freedom by defending the truth, not by defending our right to be wrong, but our rightness, our truth, the truth. The truth is what matters. The truth is what wins. So what I would say is, if you want to have the right to oppose gay marriage, then don't just go out there and say, I have the right to oppose gay marriage. Go out there and tell the world why you are right in opposing it. Tell them about the true nature of marriage. How it is something that is complementary between the two sexes, open to life. Something that must happen within the context of devotion and loyalty, within the context of marriage. Tell them about that. Tell them about the, 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 the beautiful power of human sexuality when it is harnessed in the right way. Tell them about that. Tell them that. Don't just tell them that oh, you don't have to agree, but I have a right to say what I want. Don't tell them that. Because nobody cares. Nobody cares. If they fundamentally hate your beliefs because they don't understand them, they don't care, they're not going to defend them, it doesn't matter. So don't waste your breath. You have to win them over to the belief itself. That's the only answer. When it comes to abortion, if you want to win the right to not participate in abortion, which we all are, but by the way, by funding Planned Parenthood. If you want to win that right, don't just say, I have the religious liberty to not. But tell the world why abortion is a horrendous, depraved, 
dark, wicked, evil. And tell them why. Tell them that children are being murdered. That, that these babies are, are human beings. And that 50 million of them are now in the ground because of abortion. And tell them that that is a genocide. That that is a, a, an atrocity of historic proportions. Tell them that. Convince them of that. And then you'll have the right to not participate in it. But until then, you won't. So I would say that rather than talking about our right to our beliefs, maybe we should be talking about our rightness in our beliefs. Just something to think about. All right, that's going to do it for me. Uh, I hope you have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week. I'm Kurt J. Sanders. Thanks, Pete.